Hello everyone, my name is Brendan Barr, that noise you're hearing is my ventilator. Uh, thank you for tuning in to A Larger World, presented by Page Turners, they were not my Star Wars podcast. Uh, this might be coming a little late, but I wanted to do a review, or at least my thoughts, on... Uh, the Ahsoka series, uh, which just started last Tuesday with a two-episode premiere um, called Master and Apprentice and Toil and Trouble. Uh, The showrunner on this show is Dave Filoni, who, those who may not know, Dave is the He's like the big, the big wig at Lucasfilm right now, at least as far as story is concerned. Um, when it comes to particularly animated and the TV, uh, he worked with John Favreau on The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett, but this show is pretty much all his. He's written it. He directed the first episode, um, and he's basically the showrunner. So it's his show. Um, As I said, I don't do reviews in a traditional sense. Uh, Also, I am only going to be talking about the first two episodes. Because I've only seen the third episode once. And once is not enough for me to give you some thoughts on it. So let's sort of get into this first episode. And I'm going to break it down in terms of... Try to be a little bit more specific. Well, when it comes to the plot... um, We have an opening crawl, oddly enough, in Red Lighters. Uh, Kevin Kiner's score, well, we'll get there in a minute, but it's a really good musical score. So the the crawl gives us kind of a setup. that You got the New Republic because the Empire's been defeated, but there are people trying to destroy the New Republic. Um, Morgan Elspeth, who we met in... Mandalorian Season 2, who uh, is, is trying to find Thrawn uh, so that she can bring him back so he can lead the Empire to victory. Now, I would recommend that if you have not watched this show, go and watch it before I talk about it uh, because I'm getting into spoilers here. So Thrawn was defeated in Star Wars Rebels. And it's a long story, but a species of space-faring creatures called Pergil defeated Thrawn and transported him and Ezra Bridger, who is the hero of Rebels, to some unknown place. Um, 
somehow Morgan has some kind of connection with Thrun or with somebody. So she knows where they are. They're not in the Star Wars galaxy. They're in another galaxy. Because the Purgle apparently had the ability to navigate not just within the galaxy, but from galaxy to galaxy. There was an ancient species that we don't know the name that somehow knew how to get to that galaxy. And somehow the Night Sisters, which is a group of Force Witches that Morgan Elspeth is part of, they had a connection with whatever these species were. And so Ahsoka is looking for a net. That's where her story begins, is looking in a very Indiana Jones way for an ancient map that will lead to this other galaxy where Thrawn is. Ahsoka, of course, wants it so she can find Ezra and bring him back. Unfortunately, that means that the secrets of the map can also lead to Thrawn's return. Um, so that's kind of the basic setup here. Uh, also, we learned that Sabine Wren, who has very, very limited force potential, was once Ahsoka's apprentice for a brief time. But they went their separate ways. And now they need to reunite so that they can find Ezra. The first episode involves trying to unlock the map. The second episode involves the bad guys getting a hold of the map. Um, and they want to use it to find Thrawn. Sabine and Ahsoka want to use it to find Ezra. Unfortunately, it is presumed that Thrawn and Ezra are in the same place. Ergo, it's a double act. You get one of them back, but the other is unleashed. They want Ezra back, but it means Thrawn might come back too. So, at the end of the first episode, the villains get the map from Sabine. So, who are our villains? Okay, well, it's difficult to talk about the plot and story of these episodes without talking about the characters. The, the intro scene of the series, the cold open, as you might say, involves a New Republic transport that is transporting Morgan Elspeth as a prisoner. Because in Mandalorian Season 2, Ahsoka arrested her. So, the ship is transporting Morgan. When they meet two, quote-unquote, Jedi, 
uh, who have an old clearance code from the old dates, from the Clone Wars dates. And who are these two quote-unquote Jedi? Balin Skull and Shin Haki. Played by Ray Stevenson. And I always forget the name of the actress who plays Shin. She's a Russian actress by the name of, yes, Ivana Sakno. Um, it, interesting that the names Shin, or well, Hati, H A T I, and Skull, which is Balin's last name. So, the character Hati is a wolf that chases the moon in Norse mythology. Skull is the wolf that chases the sun in Norse mythology. So, Balin Skull and Shin Hati have their mythological names, which I love. So, we learned and I remember that during the marketing of this show, everyone was noticing that their lightsabers are orange. Not red, orange. And people are wondering, what are they? You know, are they Jedi? Are they Sith? Are they Inquisitors? Are they former Jedi? Well, the episode reveals right off the bat that they are not Jedi. Balin's like, we are no Jedi. Uh, before they slaughter as much of the crew of the transport as they can and free Morgan Ellsworth. And they're looking for the map. And Morgan Ellsworth is like, Ahsoka has it. Or rather, Ahsoka is looking for it. So then we cut to Ahsoka finding the map in a very Indiana Jones kind of scene on a planet called Arcana. She's attacked by some droids who self-destruct, but is rescued by Professor Hu Yang in her... Uh, her uh, New Republic ship. Or, or Jedi shuttle, I guess is what. A T6 Jedi shuttle, which we saw in the Clone Wars show. And for those who may not have watched Clone Wars, Hu Yang is an ancient, ancient droid that has been around since pretty much the beginning of the Jedi, and he helps the younglings build their lightsabers. That's his mission. And so he has a lot of lightsaber lore, and he remembers most of the lightsabers he's ever created. And it was really cool to have him back. Um, he is played by David Tennant, and David Tennant did the voice of the character 
on what's known as the Gathering Arc of the Clone Wars, where Ahsoka escorts Jedi younglings, young Jedi, to the planet Ilum to get their lightsaber crystals. The ship that they travel on is called the Crucible. In the Clone Wars episode, it's a very ancient ship. And Kuyang is an equally ancient droid. And he's been around for a long time. Uh, arguably for 25,000 years. So in other words, he knows everything there is to know about lightsabers. But David Tennant did the voice of them on the cartoons. And he won an Emmy for it. He won a special Emmy. Um, I'll have to see what the actual category is. But it is so nice to see him back. As Professor Huyang. Still with that singular sarcasm and wit. Of course we have uh, Rosaria Dawson as Ahsoka. And in, in these two, now three episodes, she's very zen, almost too zen, kind of like Luke in the beginning of Return of the Jedi. And I wonder if she's going to stay that way or if she's going to loosen up. Because she seems like a, a little bit, you know, over tight. I don't know. So maybe she'll loosen up. But I think she's doing a good job. Just, you know, the Zen can be a little, you know, like, let's show some emotion here. Whether or not they'll get there, I don't know. But that's just a, a minor, a minor detail. So yes, David Tennant in 2013 received an Emmy, a daytime Emmy for Outstanding Performer in an Animated Program by playing Professor Huyen. Um, so having him back is a joy. And he's excellent and it really looks like he's going to play a large role in this show and I'm very glad. Um, we, of course, have Morgan Ellsworth, who is revealed to be a Night Sister. Um, the Night Sisters are Force Witches from the planet Dathomir. Um, there had been some fan speculation that Morgan was a Night Sister. And that was finally confirmed. Now, Diana Lee in, in, Innocento, who plays uh, Morgan, I'm not, if I have any criticism, I think she's a little bit John Malkovich in the role. And what I mean by that is that she over-enunciates everything and speaks kind of slowly. And it's a little... It's a little distracting. 
No, so I'm not really necessarily as into that character as the others. Um, the late Ray Stevenson, who sadly passed away a month after appearing at Star Wars Celebration earlier this year, very sadly plays Valen Skull. We reveal was a former Jedi. Um, Hu Yang recognizes his lightsaber. He's like, there's only one guy I know who had a lightsaber look like this. It's Valen Skull. Now Shin, he does not recognize Shin's lightsaber. It was, it was, uh, uh, Hu Yang said that Balin disappeared during the Clone Wars. Um, where he went, we don't know. But it sounds like Shin was not a Jedi youngling. Besides, given her age, she's probably somebody he picked up wherever he was. And he was gone for a long time because their shuttle... Their, their particular shuttle that they use is very beat up. Very beat up. They've been out somewhere, which I think is kind of cool. I do love these two characters, Balin and Chin. Ray Stevenson is marvelous. Acting, and, and particularly his performance is very... I would describe his performance as very, like, downplayed, if that makes sense. A, a lot of his acting is very subtle. Compared to, say, you know, Diana Lee Innocentos, Morgan Elspeth. Um, he's very subtle. He's not really loud and boisterous. He's kind of soft-spoken. And what's interesting, I think, about him is Morgan wants him to kill Ahsoka. But he kind of regrets that. He, he, he's feeling sense of there's so few Jedi left. Killing her would be terrible. Mm-hmm. Would be a shame. So I don't think that he is necessarily evil. He's certainly doing some pretty evil things. But I don't know how much of his heart is really in the evil. The same thing with Shin, I think. And um, Ivana Sokno as Shin, my word, the eyes that this young lady has are like piercing to the soul, you know what I mean? Like when she looks at a character, it's like, whoa. There's a deepness in those eyes. Kind of makes you wonder what she's seen, what she's experienced. And um, she's kind of quiet, like her master. Um, she doesn't say a lot. Um, but like like good acting. Just like Ray Stevenson, Ivana is putting a lot of subtlety into her acting. 
yeah, minor little facial expressions and stuff. It's kind of cool. Um, so that's really good. And then, of course, we get Sabine. Well, you know what, folks? I think that Natasha Leobordizzo is doing an excellent job as Sabine Wren. I think that of all the characters that come through animation to live action, played, of course, by a different actor, this might be the best one so far. She's got a lot of the spunk that we know from Rebels. You know, it's it's really like just transposing from animation to live action. Uh, and not only does Natasha look like the character, but I think her devil may care snarky attitude fits very much with what Sabine was in the comics. Um, so the plot is that, well, the story is, so Ahsoka gets the map, this ancient map, to wherever Thrawn and Ezra ended up. Now, some people might wonder, how does an ancient map tell you where two modern guys are? Well, I'm assuming, based on the third episode, that the map was made by people who followed the migratory pattern of the Pergil. That's what we learned in the third episode. We'll get to that in a few days. Um, so whatever these ancient beings were, I think they followed the Pergil's migratory route. And so... I guess that Morgan Elspeth feels Thrawn calling to her. And it's basically the conceit is that Thrawn and Ezra probably ended up wherever the Pergil go when they migrate to the other galaxy. So I think that's why an ancient map tells them where Thrawn and Ezra are, because if the Purple took Thrawn and Ezra, there's really only one place they could have gone. Also, Morgan hears them calling through the Force. Now, Thrawn is not Force-sensitive as far as we know. So it's possible that he is using Ezra to reach out with the Force, or he found somebody else. Um, interesting, this, so, what happens is, Ahsoka gets the map, and she presents it to Hera Syndulla. Yet again, another Rebels character being brought into live action. Played by Ewan McGregor's wife, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who... I think back in the day it was every geek guy's you know, like fantasy girl because she was in Scout Pilgrim versus the World and she's gorgeous in that. Um now obviously in the cartoon she's played by the great Vanessa Marshall. And I also want to give a shout out to Ashley Eckstein. 
who is the animated voice of Ahsoka. Tia Sirkar, who is the animated voice of Sabine. And, of course, Vanessa Marshall as her. But I think Mary Elizabeth Winstead nails it. She's got the mom energy, the maternal energy. It's so funny. She says stuff that's very mom-like. She says to Ahsoka, Sabine needs some structure. I mean, that sounds like a mom to me. Um, and she is a mom. We'll get there in a, in a few days. But she's always had that mom energy. She's a high-ranking general in the New Republic at this point. Though apparently her name doesn't carry as much sway as she hoped it would. But Ahsoka shows her the map. And Hera says, well, there's only one person whose understanding of art will be able to help us here. Because even Huyang can't understand it. Which I think is very, very interesting. It makes you wonder if the map is older than he is. And Hera's like, you might want to bring it to Sabine. And Ahsoka's like, I don't think that's a good idea. Now, what I find to be fascinating about this relationship is that there's a part of the story we don't have yet. Because Star Wars Rebels never explores the idea of Sabine becoming Ahsoka's apprentice. So if I know Dave Filoni, he's probably leaving it open. So if there's going to be another show, or even a movie, or a book, or a comic, or a video game that explores those lost years. He's setting it up, which is very much what Dave likes to do. He likes to plan for the long game. So anyhow, Ahsoka and Sabine reunite. And it doesn't go that great. Not really. But through some persuasion, from Hu Yang and from Hera, Sabine agrees to try again and joins Ahsoka on their mission. Um, so what's interesting is their mission is so that the Merth gets stolen. Shin Hati fights Sabine in the lightsaber duel, and Sabine does pretty well. Sabine is pretty good with melee weapons. Because in Rebels, she learned from a Jedi how to use the Darksaber. Ah, uh, yes, that Darksaber. And so she has a lot of proficiency with that. So she does pretty well with Shin. But Shin beats her and nearly kills her. But what I find to be interesting is where Shin stabs her. Shin had an opening to kill her. I think, but she didn't. Now, I could be reading too much into it. But I think she deliberately did that. 
because she probably didn't want to kill her. Um, it looks like Balin and Shin are mercenaries working for evil people. But I don't know. I don't think they've entirely abandoned the code of the Jedi. I think. Um, which I think is very, very interesting. We'll see where this goes. But the bad guys get the map and then find this temple on a, the planet called Cetos, I think. And there's this ancient, like, observatory, like, uh, like a Stonehenge. And they use it to figure out exactly where Thrawn is. In orbit around the planet, Morgan Elsbeth has a lot of industrial resources, by the way, is building a hyper ring. Now, in the Clone Wars, a hyper ring was used for ships that didn't have a hyperdrive. We actually see only one use it a few times in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. That this one is a gigantic ring that looks like it's going to bring something pretty big. I'm assuming that what they're trying to do is now that they know where Thrawn and Ezra are, they're going to go there and somehow bring a ship back with them. I'm thinking the Chimera, which is Thrawn's Star Destroyer. Unless Throne has built something bigger. Hello, everyone. Sorry for the slight weirdness. And let me explain. So yesterday I was recording. And I forgot about the 30-minute time limit. So I'm recording this on the next day. Um, and I will do this really quickly. So I can post the episode to you. Um... So what I was saying is that the hyper ring could be used to bring back the Chimera, Thrawn Star Destroyer, or something bigger. Now, um, I have no idea what kind of resources that Thrawn has access to where he is. But knowing Thrawn, he would probably use the remaining crew of the Chimera and possibly Ezra to start rebuilding as soon as he could. It's been almost 10 years. So who knows what Thrawn has done over there. So let's talk about this other galaxy. I'm assuming they call it Peridia. Balin's skull talks about the pathway to Peridia is a fairy tale that young Jedi learn about. And Morgan Elsbeth says it has basis in fact. You know, it's kind of like when Ahsoka said there's always a bit of truth in legends. Like in our real world, we don't know if Robin had existed. But maybe there was a guy who inspired those stories. 
Same with King Arthur. Um, so Jeffrey de Bridia, I guess, is now real. Now, how Thrawn is calling to Elspeth. Morgan Elspeth, I have no idea. Uh, I don't I don't know how that's happening. Uh, either he's using Ezra or he's found something else. Now, it's funny she says he's calling me across time and space. Well, if you want to get sci-fi technical, then being in another galaxy, in a way, because the light takes millions of years to reach, you is time and space. But I think she's talking about something a little bit more mystical than that. Possibly the world between worlds. And if you don't know what that is, go and watch Star Wars Rebels. Um, so I think that the way that it works, and season episode three explains a little more, so I'll throw that in here. So the question is, how does an ancient star map lead to characters who only disappeared recently? Well, it sounds like Morgan is convinced, and so is uh, Ahsoka, that the pathway to Peridia follows the migratory patterns of the Pergild. Those space whales were able to navigate jumping from the one galaxy to the other. Um, Star Wars has never been big on science. So, how they're able to get there, how long it takes, we don't know. And we do know that in order to get from one place to another in Star Wars with hyperspace, you typically have to follow hyperspace routes, which are safe routes that where you won't run into anything on the way. So it sounds like the Purgle knew this. And these ancient aliens from this other galaxy probably followed the Purgle migratory pattern from Peridia to the main galaxy. So I think that what happened is, is our characters think that, well, because of the space whales, the Purgle took Thrawn and Ezra and the Chimera, which is Thrawn's flagship, and jumped into hyperspace. It sounds like they followed their migratory pattern all the way to Peridia. Makes you wonder how long that took. And now they want to follow that same path. Morgan does. Ahsoka does. 
Ahsoka and Savine want Ezra working one strong. Sounds like we're going to get both. And who knows what other funny things are at work. What other funny businesses at work. Um, I think that these first two episodes are a fantastic start to the series. It's it's so much being a Star Wars Rebels fan. It's Rebels all over. I'm so so happy. But it now looks like the story is going to go somewhere else. And the, it looks like, well, I can't really say because the third episode is setting up stuff that we're going to see in the fourth episode. I think that we did see a bit in the trailers. But I've stayed away from a lot of the marketing, so I don't really know what's beyond this. All I will say is, great start to show, great characters, wonderful music from Kevin Kiner. Wonderful. Maybe some of his best. And a great new story that I'm so excited to see because it deals with what I love about Star Wars, which is the lore. The lore of the Force. The lore of the Jedi and the dark side. These are the kind of things I absolutely love. And I have no idea what kind of crazy journey they're going to go on. I'm excited to see where it goes. And I'm interested in what's next for Thrawn. Now, irresponsible speculation. I don't think Thrawn will meet his end in this show. I suspect Dave Filoni is setting up for the movie that he's going to direct. That might be, might be, Thrawn's War with the New Republic. That's what I think it might be. Yet again, that is irresponsible speculation. I do not know. That's just a guess. There's so much I could say about this. So that suffice to say, I loved it. Great start. I had to see both episodes twice to really get into it. Um, just because the first time around is such a a strange experience for me. Or it's almost too overwhelming to talk about. Or, or think rationally about because of my excitement. Seeing it again the second time is really where it worked the best for me, particularly that first episode. So I'm excited to see where we go. Bravo, Dave Filoni. And uh, I hope that the best. Is yet to come. My name is Brendan Moore. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator. Thank you.
They're tuning in to a larger world presented by Page Turner's Day Without My Star Wars Podcast. May the Force be with you.